off, we're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a And welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I am your host, Space Orphan 18, and tonight we will be discussing um, one of my favorite season one episodes, Laryngitis. Today with me, my guests are Jan, or Januarium, and Raya, or Lurk du Soleil, on Tumblr. Hello. Hello. All right, guys. So, um, Laryngitis, and, and um, appropriately named because the theme of this episode is about losing your voice, but in a broader sense, um, losing your self-identity in a way. Yes. Um, it's one of my favorites because identity is very central to the show, especially in season one, and the way it plays with that and plays with people losing or changing their identity is really interesting. I agree. Um, it's one of my favorites. And it's just it's a stellar episode all around. You know, not just the Kirk plot line, which is phenomenal, but everything else in the episode is also. Well, kind of other than the, the um, I'd like, I don't think we should discuss it much, especially this is one advantage of being Kirk focused, but obviously <laughs> there's quite a gross inspiration porn. Thing. Yeah, yeah it, there is. at it the is end, pretty bad. yeah. I mean, at least the, that, the um, referring to the, I hopefully I'm saying this right, quadriplegic, um, and he was, and he did, they did get an actor or somebody who was to play the role because um, they had gotten a lot of flack about Artie and um, Kevin McHale being able-bodied, um, but still, yeah, just to you know, the the young man's um, situation, using that to, to make Rachel feel better about her voice was a little, uh, yeah. Yeah, I pulled off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good that they did use a disabled actor, especially mm-hmm. as apparently that's one of the various roles that Dark and Chris tried out for. So clearly they weren't just auditioning disabled actors, if that was true. Mm. I mean, uh. That. I didn't know that either. Interesting. Maybe I had heard that. I think it's. I think I've heard, read that somewhere. <laughs> I, I trust you. <laughs> I do. But yeah, I, I don't know if I trust you. I don't know. If I can. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and then um, the other plot is, uh, you know, because Puck loses his mohawk, so he loses his self identity, and um, tries to date Mercedes to get it back, and. I don't, 
just the amount of bad pickup lines he uses on Mercedes. I, I just want to take a second. And, I love and... that. <laughs> I love it. It's hilarious. I love yeah. how much Mercedes is like, no, just no, stop. <laughs> That's the best part. It also ties into how Mercedes' identity is different and, you know, how she's got this Cheerios thing that she's now a part of that she needs to decide how she's going to be within it and she you know when she does agree to go out with Pop for a bit and does you know sing battle with Santana she is in her you know in her way trying on a new identity as well yep at the same time I give Mercedes a lot of credit just in that um when we were talking about home she she um, had a plot line in that one about uh, her body image and whatnot, and she kind of comes out of it as um, really deciding to be accepting of herself. And then I kind of... I like that in this episode, there's kind of a continuation of... She, she knows who she is, and even though she it, it gets rocky at times, and she's like, well, maybe I should... Uh, you know, uh, go in a different direction. But she, she stays truer to herself than... Um, definitely Kurt in this episode, but, um, or even Puck, who's trying to, you know, be something he's not-ish and failing, but, I don't know. I just, I really like, I I think that Mercedes' plotline is worth mentioning. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I I would agree with that, and I I love, I do like her plotline a lot, and the way it continues from home there. Also, you know, we get the first um, Sam Sadie's duet, uh, beginning of a beautiful musical friendship. And it's interesting there because as far as you're aware, as an audience member watching season one for the first time, Santana is completely just being herself. Mm. But actually her whole identity at this point is built on being, you know, something that she, you know, she is partially that, but she's also a lot more, complex and mm-hmm. you know she doesn't have those real feelings for Puck she just like she the, the, she's very tied to showing a certain persona which is very much linked to Puck you can see that in mm-hmm. season 2 as well this sort of her default beard <laughs> not that she necessarily knows he's one right well and I, I think that's an interesting comment about Santana just everything you said and that I know a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know, she is being written as straight at this point. And I'm like, okay, well maybe she was, but I do think it fits into her storyline as a whole very well. And that she, she is kind of just, you know, covering up who she, you know, she's going to use puck and, and that's it. Regardless of whether or not she is hiding her sexuality at this point, she is um, definitely, just using him and, and wanting to have a certain status. And um, I don't know. I just think there's some interesting things with Santana going on there. I think a lot of these, this episode is showing that sort of manipulative tendency that these kids have, mm-hmm. um, where they're all using each other mm-hmm. to yeah. a certain extent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Puck is using Mercedes. Santana is using Puck. And even Mercedes is using Puck a little bit. Um, yeah, she is. You know, and then, I mean, 
Yeah. Like Rachel is using the new directions to get the applause she needs to live. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and before he also seems to the, his friend to yeah, yep. inspiration porn for Rachel. Yep. Everybody's using everybody. And I mean, and Kurt uses Brittany. Yep. And Brittany uses Kurt. Yep. Yep. So, um, it's, you know, Will's assignment in this, I think, is really interesting because his assignment is using a song to express yourself. And and before we get really into the curse stuff, I just think this is an interesting thing because out of all of the songs that are in this episode, I don't know if any really fully follow the assignment except for maybe Rachel's The Climb, which is a joke because <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like uh, Finn sings Jesse's Girl, which is I mean, I guess about him, but more about, you know, Jesse and Rachel's relationship and him wishing he had Rachel again. And um, Santana and Mercedes is, like, over a boy again. It's like, and of course, parts isn't him at all. So, I don't know. I just thought that it's interesting that Will's assignment is, like, completely ignored. I think one is, in a way more actually expressive but I, I and obviously Kurt sings something that isn't expressive you know he doesn't even understand what, what the meaning of the song really is for the group but then when he thinks he's alone he sings something that very much right feeling. so yeah in terms of what they perform um at new directions there is definitely a lack of um sort of the emotional honesty that Will's asking for. Mm-hmm. With Jesse's girl, I just always, um, it's, a, it's a slight tangent, but I always think that that song is the reason that we got Rory, because oh, really? on, the, on the Glee project, Damien McGinty was one of the two people who was potentially going to be kicked off the show, mm-hmm. and he had to sing Jesse's girl, and he didn't know it, and he got the lyrics wrong, and he kept singing, I want to be Jesse's girl. I never heard that. Why Ryan kept them in. I think that's the entire reason he got to have another week on the show. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh boy. I didn't remember that. That's excellent. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was great when that happened. Yeah, Ryan was just enjoyed it so much. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much too. That's hilarious. I would. Wow. There's a lot of a lot of uh, people filling me in on Glee Project stories because I've never seen the show. So <laughs> that's wow. I, I watched both seasons after they were over, and honestly, I kind of loved it. Cool. I loved them. I watched them while they were airing. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm getting into the 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 Kurt arc in this one. Um, after Will makes his little assignment, um, Kurt's really excited about singing his solo, and it, it does make me wonder a little bit what he would have picked, because he said, um, he's talking to Mercedes, and he talks about having a Whitney Houston song all picked out, and I don't know, I always... I wonder which one. wonder which one that he was all set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, it makes me feel very glad that eventually, towards, you know, very near the end of his high school career, he did get to sing a Whitney Houston song. Because <laughs> he obviously has such a passion for her, um, and I wonder what he would have sung to express himself. I'm also. Um, I would have been I was. 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. Dance with somebody. Dance with somebody? I said I bet it would have been I want to dance with somebody, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, I, I do want to say I, I'm entertained that he says that he has the same vocal range as a castrati. Um, he's not a castrati, for those of you that yeah. are wondering. <laughs> that is when... He makes plenty of jokes making sure everybody knows that. <laughs> But, um, and I also love Mercedes. It's unfortunate again that, um, as there's the trend, and I know she has her own plot line here, that when uh, he has a bigger plot line, she's not really involved. And, and I've come to a conclusion partly because that they want to isolate him a little bit more when he has his own plot lines. But I, I do love that they are walking down the hall a little bit and, and her own little reactions and, and how she's, uh, you know, interested about that rolling his eyes about like the, the, the castrati comment and stuff like that. And then, I don't know, they're just cute. Yeah. They're obviously just really good friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, she is, you know, finds it funny a bit, but she's also showing, you know, genuine, she's listening to mm-hmm. him and she isn't shutting him down, even if she is sort of rolling her eyes. And, um, yeah, that was a really cute moment. I, I love their chemistry. I love their chemistry together, and I really wish the show had kept up with it. Yeah. Beyond the one episode in season two they had together. Uh, um, they had quite. They had a bunch of stuff in season two, and they did have one episode in season three. And um, you know, as someone who sort of um, what you know, the way many people would, for instance, watch three season three to see any glimpse of claim they. Mm-hmm. Possibly could that's just me with Mercedes the whole way through. <laughs> and they, they're, so I mean, there's me, I <laughs> they have little bits in the end of season four, and there's a couple things in season five, and, and but I agree, it's not enough. No, their chemistry is so good, and they play off each other so well. Yeah, and they're just adorable together, and I miss them. I, you know, I was thinking about this episode, and, you know, here Mercedes tries going out with Puck, and I can only imagine a conversation around this time that Kurt has with Mercedes and, like, you're dating Puck? Really? And that would have been really cute. You're really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, more fanfic, guys. I mean, I'm coming up with fanfic ideas here, so... <laughs> Um, and you were prompt for the week, you know. I know. I did that um, the last couple of times. We've been coming up with prompt ideas during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so, um, yep, so Bert shows up, and he's all set to go out and do things with Finn. And, and I do get, uh, there's an interesting thing where, you know, Finn is starting to bond with Bert, even though, Finn really isn't in this art. I mean, sorry, not the art, not in this particular storyline of this episode. Um, but, you know, and, and there is a little bit of Bert being really excited about this because Kurt isn't the same way. But then at the same time, Kurt's like, you can tell in this little exchange that Bert might have tried earlier to get him to watch like baseball games or whatnot. And Kurt's just sitting there complaining about stirrup pans. So. Well, you def- I definitely get the feeling that Bert is, well, he's doing things with Finn that he feels will help them bond, and I think it's really sweet the way he's trying to help Finn, because Finn is struggling a lot mm-hmm. in 
his life at this point. But also, the things he's doing with Finn are things that he always wanted to do with his Kurt. Right. But, you know, knew Kurt wouldn't be into. And it's not that he doesn't do them because he doesn't want to be with Kurt. It's because he doesn't want to make Kurt do things he doesn't want to do. Right. And of course, poor Kurt, he misinterprets that a little bit because he is younger and he is worried about his relationship with his dad. But, yeah, I, I don't think that it, it, at Bert's part, I mean, he may get a little carried away with it, but it's more of trying to, you know, he's his bonding with Finn and wanting to help him out and be a father figure and, and his relationship with Carol, I'm sure, is involved too and, and stuff like that. But and I, I do also, you know, feel part of it is just that Bert, I think Bert can definitely put Kurt into a box um, because he he's at this point he still doesn't really understand how to deal with him and his sexuality and his interests, mm-hmm. and so he loves him, but he you know he is not the ideal perfect dad at this point, which is wonderful because they show him understanding and over a long time right exactly and I think in addition to that I mean he here in this first scene he doesn't really he notices it later but he doesn't notice you know Kurt is obviously having a hard time with all of this and and Bert kind of is like I'm so excited to go hang out with Finn and do quote-unquote guy things um that um he doesn't really notice that is how much his son is really struggling with it well, I, you know, later in the episode, he does start to give a take a little more, you know, like, um, they, right now he's relating to him as a guy who likes football games and basketball games and whatever, sports get ball. And he's not relating to him as Kurt is, I mean, we get the little hint with one of his mystery dinners, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, 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 I love that Bert says, I assumed it was the start of one of your murder mystery <laughs> dinners. Because that line just tells us so much, you know. Kurt does these so regularly and so spontaneously that Bert is just instantly like, oh, all right, so is that what we're doing tonight? <laughs> but I mean, as well as that, um, Bert finally says at the end, well, I could get into that mm. when he's talking about Rose's church. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at this moment, he's still relating to him as just his own interest. Right. He's not really getting Kurt's interest to be part of his own wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. He's not yes. quite stretching his own comfort zone yet. Right. And I, I actually, um, that line reminded me of him kind of singing along years later um, at the end of Bash with I'm Still Here. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sort of, he shows this, you know, that he's familiar with this song and that obviously at some point he did try to get into that a bit and then, you know, obviously um, he did the single ladies dance at the end of season three. We see that he does really try and I think there's just a lot more give I think and this take. is where it started. Yeah. If his trying started here mm-hmm. in this episode. Well, and, and this is, um, I kind of see this episode as the middle part of, what I call the Kurt trilogy in the back nine of home laryngitis and theatricality. And, um, but this is the, this is kind of beginning to wrap up the Bert arc that has been here for the whole season so far. 
And, and I will talk more about it when we get towards the end of the episode, but it's kind of this, you know, all of these, this culmination of like, yeah, back in Preggers, he accepted Kurt being gay, but now it's kind of like, you know, dealing with his son and his differences and, and I know it, just everything is kind of coming to head in this episode with the, the, between Bert and Kurt, which one of the things that I find Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. One of the things that I find really interesting in the way the plot is done is that Kurt wants to be included and is obviously jealous, but it's not this, ooh, this would be a good excuse to spend more time with Finn. It's not about as much on Finn. Right. And I think it shows just how much, you know, he's craving his dad's attention because it's all about that. Mm-hmm. It's all about wanting his dad to be there for him. Yep, and, and, and... It's funny, whenever his dad's involved, he forgets Finn. Right. He did it in Preggers. Yeah, he did it in He does it in home. Um, when, Just you know. because Finn becomes a competitor mm-hmm. for attention. Yeah. And and ultimately, right now, like, his dad is his family and his foundation, and losing that kind of means that, you know, it, it's a very scary thing for Kurt. Um, and... It's interesting because obviously he does set for Richard Carroll up partially so that he can spend more time with Finn. But then I don't think he ever really considered that that would mean his father bonding with with Finn rather than just with Carol. Right. And and you know, um, thinking about it, thinking about the end of Home, where he's sitting, standing out there on the other side of the glass, looking in at this, you know family that um because that's what the that episode was a big thing about finding your home and and finding a family and and whatnot and you know he's feeling on the outside of that so the continuation of that in this episode where you know here Bert is bonding and and having you know this father-son time and Kurt still I'm, I'm assuming this is a week or a couple weeks later and maybe, you know, it's happening a lot more, and, and, and the more that happens, the more Kurt still feels on the outside, and just, yeah. I, I can see why he's having a hard time with it. Okay, so moving it's on... interesting that Kurt... Sorry, sorry, Dan, I keep interrupting you. Sorry, it was a moving on thing. It's interesting that Kurt just skips Cheerios practice, and it says a lot about the, the way Sue really feels about him that she does like him that she <laughs> doesn't really terror in, in him at all about the fact that he missed Jerry No, I love the Sue scene I love it and, and, and Jane Lynch isn't in this episode at all except for this little scene so this is kind of written to have her there but I it is it is so funny to me I watched it earlier this morning and just the little line where she said do you know who you can tell me about that tell who, uh, what is it? You know, who can tell you about who you really are? And, um, Susan Vester. <laughs> I always laugh at me, Susan Vester. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I, it's, it's a little bit here. I mean, why is he not talking to Mercedes about this? I mean, why is ultimately he having this conversation with Sue? Well, I mean, for purposes of she, Mercedes has her own storyline and, they wanted to give Sue something to do, but I, I am glad they kind of did this. I, I think this scene is kind of a lot of fun, and, and it continues this interesting bond that starts happening between Kurt and Sue. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think it's important for the trajectory of the episode. And I feel like he's not talking to Mercedes because she's a peer and he. I think he knows she wouldn't really identify. We get the impression that maybe, mm. you know, her and her dad don't have the most amazing relationship, but it's a very, very different situation. Um, and, it's, you know, probably their relationship is pretty good. It's just not, you know... Um, he doesn't completely get the music thing. But telling her is a very different thing to talking to a teacher, especially Sue is someone that he knows isn't um, there to coddle him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean... Sue is going to be... Go ahead, Raya. The one person to tell the truth. Yes, Sue's going to be the one person to tell the truth as she sees it. I don't know if it would necessarily be the truth as it is. Um, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, and you have to wonder now that I think of it, what Kurt just seems so open to saying, okay, I'm having troubles. I'm afraid I'm losing my dad because I'm gay. And how he feels comfortable enough to talk to Sue about that. You know, multiple times during the course of the series. Mm. I, I think he does want to talk about it because the second she asks, he just starts on about it. And, you know, neither of them are really talking to each other, but. No. <laughs> they both get something from the conversation. I love her saying just at the end, like, okay, I tuned out about a minute ago. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to students before I talk to I also, I actually think she has an interesting point, too, in general, that, you know, um, her, her, you know, the youth is obsessed with labels, and I don't think it's just youth, I think people in general are obsessed with labels, but, you know, uh, uh, how do you define what you are, and, and, like, um, just because you're gay doesn't mean you're, just because you like musicals doesn't mean you're gay, it makes you awful, but, yeah, like, (laughs) <laughs> being a hilarious line I, I do think she has a point in that you know you are the person to set you know what you are and who you are and not just because you fall into a certain category I, if I'm making it all sense <laughs> yeah I mean I think that labels can be important if you use them yourself and not let others put them on you um, because you know especially with kids his age they want to define themselves because they're at a point in their life where they're discovering that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think she's wrong where you can absolutely know your sexuality without testing it out. Oh, that I, I agree with. Yeah. You know, she says, have you ever kissed a boy? Have you ever kissed a girl? Like, who cares? He knows what he is. And at this moment, at least, you know. Mm-hmm. And But, I mean, that does lead to his experimenting later in the episode. So. Part of it is leads him to, you know, just because he's gay doesn't mean he needs to fulfill some stereotype of being gay. Right. But then it's also paved in some ways he does, and that's, I think, something he's exploring in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and then I love that, like, he even... It's funny that Sue has that line about, okay, I've checked out of this conversation, because then Kurt does, too, as she's talking at the very end, because he's already starting to think about, oh, wait a minute, I can do this glee assignment, and I can, you know... You can already see him thinking about, what if I change the way I look, and then I can relate to my dad if I try to be more like my dad? Well, I think he, um, he's such a little manipulator. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. He's, he's a schemer. And, you know, we've already seen, like, back in Preggers, he reads Sun Tzu's Art of War. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> he probably reads Machiavelli, too. Oh, yeah. Probably. I'm like... <laughs> He got Kurt Burton and Carol together in this huge manipulation to get Finn in his home, you know? Yep. But yeah. Yeah. Kurt is such a little schemer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. He's a little slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think... I, I'm not going to argue about how this right now. <laughs> we should have uh, a podcast on, on, on that. That'd be a great one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's interesting, even when he's choosing a Melon Camp song to do, he chooses one that he thinks is about bold. And I know. Uh, I, I, I that was. I thought about that this time watching the 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 episode. I'm like, you know what? Kurt chose Pink Houses because it's called Pink Houses. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the ne- next thing we have, we have we have um, uh, Kurt show up, and and he looks like. I mean, I wonder if he raided his dad's wardrobe and picked out like older stuff, or. Yeah. <laughs> Because he looks like a little mini bird. I I think if he had picked from his dad's closet, it would be a lot looser on him. Oh, that's true. Because Curtis's point is so tiny. I think he could have picked it from his dad's wardrobe and then tailored it. Well, that's true. He could have done that. He could have done that. He probably did, but, you know, to fit the way it fits his dad. Well, and I... It's so loose, but not like to be able to fit like, okay, I'm not going to take any more in other jeans. That's, you know. <laughs> well, I know Kurt's jeans are actually pretty baggy in this, because there are a couple of, like, background scenes that I have stills from, and um, his uh, jeans are pretty loose, comparatively to what he usually wears. Well, yeah, uh, I think everything is a little loose compared to what he usually wears. <laughs> that, that's true, too. It must have really hurt him not to take them in any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, like, those thick army boots. and uh, oh, I love the voice he uses. His little manly voice. <laughs> Which I'm sure that's why they mentioned... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jan. It's interesting because it's not like his father's voice, necessarily. But, you know, it's this idea of what a man's voice is. <laughs> I think that's why they mentioned the whole Castrati countertenor thing at the beginning of the episode. Because it's supposed to evoke, oh yeah, that's right, Kurt has a high voice. And so when he tries doing this lower register, which is not comfortable sounding. <laughs> he talks about his singing voice in when he sings Pink Houses. His little growly voice, and he's doing the sneering, and he's like, oh, he's just so adorable. He's so cute. I and I like so Bert comes down and I just can't imagine what Bert's actually thinking, but I love that he kind of just goes with it and he's like, okay, <laughs> if this is what you want to do, um, let's do it. And and going back and to he immediately says, yep, yeah, we'll go out together. All right, even though there's nothing more to discuss about this. <laughs> well, he got what he wanted in his little scheming. You know, you see his little smirk at the end, and he's yep. like, yeah. yep, all oh, right, this plan is working. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I, I love I love the performance of Pink Houses a bit too much, and all the faces, especially you start with Rachel doing that face she does where she's like something is wrong, what something is going, going on. on. <laughs> this to me. Um, one really quick thing before we jump to the Pink Houses thing, though, I wanted to say, um, Bert 
uses the term wheelhouse in the scene, and I just don't think that's a natural term that Bert would have picked up had he not, you know, had Kurt as a son. So I think that just, it, it goes along into, Bert is paying attention, uh, and along with the murder mysteries and the stuff we've already talked about, um, I, I, Bert's trying, I mean, he doesn't get it, he really is confused as to why his son has decided to start dressing like he does, but, um, I don't know. I just like the little subtle things that they put in there to show that, you know, Bert does try to connect to his son or try to, or at least has been exposed enough that he understands his son and that he acts a certain way. So, yeah. But anyway, okay. Yeah. So going into the pink house's performance, it, Oh boy. Yeah. You're right about the, the, um, reactions are fascinating. Like, um, Quinn has this look on her face, like, are you really, really trying to do this? And I love Brittany clapping along. <laughs> She's just like, so, so happy that he's singing this song. Oh, and Finn is like, oh, this is kind of a cool song. <laughs> yeah, when the drums start, he's like, yeah, cool, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Santana's like, nope, you're not pulling this off. Yeah. And, and Rachel just wants to understand, you just like, what is happening? Like, we had already started whispering <laughs> to each other. Yeah. I love it. Oh. It's so... Uh, and he, it's so, like... Oh, he just has such a struggle seeing it because it's so low. And I don't, I don't think he struggles that much. It just sounds so... It's, he's definitely gone lower. Right. Well, I, I just meant... And, like, it just feels uncomfortable. Yeah, but the attitude, I feel like, is more what he's forcing. But then I also actually kind of quite like how his voice sounds on the song. <laughs> I just uh, can't get over all the little growls he does. Like, <laughs> he's like, he's such a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really, I really like Will's reaction. I like that Will tells him he can do things that no one else can do and that that's worth to that. Um, even though, at the same time, I you know I agree with Kurt that actually when they want to explore their identities, Glee Club is a great place for them to do that. Mm. Obviously, the point of this of this week was to <laughs> embrace you know who you are. So Will is very understandable. He's like, no, no, that's not what this was. It is nice to see you. I, you know what? Oh, go ahead, Raya. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I like that. Out of anyone in the show giving good advice, Mr. Shoe's usually not it. Yep. <laughs> um, That's what I was going to say. He, he actually gives good advice to Kurt this time, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you don't have to be anybody but yourself. Yep. Yep. But then Kurt is like, well, I'm not a box. There are more, more sides to me. Like boxes do have more I know. <laughs> Are you talking about a two-dimensional box, like how you draw a box on paper? Right. Uh, I think which is I a square, but okay. A box has yeah, get square, but <laughs> I know. Kind of a square. I want to stand up for Kurt here because I've said things like that too. Okay. No, I know. It's it's one of those things that I'm not I'm not like making fun of Kurt, but it's endearing. I'm like, oh, I, I get what you're saying, but it's just kind of funny. I don't know. And it's more of a writing thing, not necessarily specific part, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a sw- you know, I think it's something you would say. They don't have the best education. <laughs> 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 
And, you know, it, it's the sort of thing you instinctually say, but I still like to laugh at him for it. Uh. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then Brittany comes along. Just she's so excited. Yeah. She's like, I can collect you now. And she, you know, there's no appeal to him beyond. It, I would really appreciate it if you helped me out here. Right. I can only imagine the conversation of him coming back to her later and be like, Okay, I'm gonna take you up on this. So. I bet he just like texted her and told her to come over. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah, and then he got all the candles and stuff. I know. <laughs> Poor romantic Kurt. He can't even do a fake fake out without the whole deal. Well, and you know what's really sad? I'm sure Brittany didn't even. She, I don't want to say she didn't notice, but uh, just oh I wow. Think, I think actually she may have. She probably did notice it and notice that it was something a bit special. I think that is something you would see, and also you know Kurt. Was doing his best to make it a real makeout, I think. That's true. You know, doing her, he wouldn't let her touch his butt. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Which I thought was really cute. He's just like, nope. He's his boundaries still. Yeah. Exactly. Then, as far as we know, this is his first kiss. Yeah, I believe it is. He says Which is probably th- why he made it very special. Mm. Unless he's been kissing non binary people, <laughs> that, that's not true. That is true. <laughs> and um, actually, it's one of the things I enjoy about that scene is the way it's it's sort of dreamlike. Mm-hmm. And they um, there's been interviews about it where Chris has talked about how they just kept having to tell him to be led into it, like. <laughs> Don't act, you know, don't act like you're interested in this. And he, said, he said, be less of a good kisser. And he was so proud yeah. of that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cute. But, no, I really, I've always really enjoyed the dynamic between Cart and Brittany. And, I mean, I, I think she is a, a really, if he's going to experiment with somebody or with a girl, Brittany is a, a pretty decent person to do that with. And... Yeah. I don't know. She's a very safe except, person. Except for one thing. Oh, okay. What? There's one thing wrong with Brittany. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you this. She tastes like root beer. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out later, we find out it's not her lip gloss. It's because she brushes her teeth with soda. Oh, that's for... I've never <laughs> connected that. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> because it's but oh, that's true. That's so uh, funny. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I'm like, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, um. Oh, yeah. So you get, and um, when Bert talks about it later, he says, you know, talks about Kurt dating that daffy cheerleader, which I just think is, um, it relates to theatricality, actually. But at that moment where he's um, talking, shouting at Finn for saying, um, about, you know, saying that using the word he does mm. and saying would he use the R word about that cheerleader on, on the cheer, you know, that girl. No, I think, I think he was referring to Becky at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was Becky. Becky, but we have no evidence that he knows Becky, but he knows Brittany, he's met her twice, and he calls oh. her the... And actually, I think that's just one of those moments 
where actually her, I think he is talking about Brittany and it is a moment about mm. her disability, which I, I just find interesting. Like, I, I've long thought it was about Brittany, but specifically because of how he talks about her hair. Uh, okay. I think even more so. Well, we'll never know which one it really is. Wow, yeah. I never thought of it that way because I've always assumed it was Becky, but that does make a lot of sense. It does. Um, oh, and one thing I wanted to know, just because she says, um, as a side tangent, she says, you know, kissing my armpits is a really big turn on. So does that mean Santana spends a lot of time kissing her armpits? It's just an interesting oh. image. I don't know. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody needs to make a pick of that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have within the Britannia fandom. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'll search that out on the Greek Academy. Um, so one interesting (laughs) thing about when they're making out it's interesting because not only is he batting away Brittany's hand he's actually it looks like he's thinking about it too like hmm it's like a little bit experimentation you know a little bit set up for when Bert comes home and and yeah and just also asking what a voice tastes like right because that's what he really wants to know right yeah and apparently they taste really gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ugh. I, I Poor Brittany. I love that he makes a, like, and it's printed as well, this beautiful um, do not disturb sign that says, you know, I am making out with a girl. <laughs> and then, took the time uh, to actually do that. You will have sexual relations. <laughs> His definition of sexual relations is really sweet. Oh. And at times later, when he thinks the touch of his fingertips is his sex, do you think that? Oh, you know what we noticed? Because so I'm going to bring this up because we noticed this in home when they were um, downstairs a lot that Kurt doesn't really have a bed in season one, and again here he, he's on a couch and not on a bed again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I bet he's on the couch. Bed. Ah, what if the pulled out? What if it's just a fold-out couch? It could be. True. I don't know. Just something we've been noticing throughout the... It's interesting what you pick up on these little rewatches. Like, oh, wait a minute. Where's Kurt's bed? (laughs) (laughs) From the aesthetic. And that's what he's all about, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh. It is really lovely, though, with all the candles. (laughs) And I I do... I like Bert's reaction that he's trying to be accepting and, and, you know... Protect <laughs> the depressing moment where Brittany says, Well, oh, um, you know, yeah. the security system. Yeah. Poor Brittany. Yeah. She's yeah. really lucky she did not get pregnant. Yeah. But um, that leads me to the question you know, because I've heard conversations about the way Bert reacts to this situation and then the way Bert reacts to, um, to later when Blaine is in Kurt's bed. And um, I just, what are your guys' thoughts on how he reacts in those different situations? I think he realizes at this point that this is not going to go any further. Um, I, I this also, is just experimentation. I, but also this is, you know, the afternoon and it's experimentation. But he finds out that a boy has been in Kurt's bed overnight yeah, who has been without any warning. Um, 
and obviously he knows it'll be more serious. So even within that, it's a it's a quite another different situation. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's yeah. I mean, that's how I've always thought of it too. I just, I, it's interesting that people. I, I just have seen things where like people are like, "Oh, Bert has different standards," and I'm like, "No, I, I don't necessarily think so." I think I agree with you guys, and it just seems like he knows that this is not really going to go far, and and well, and he knows how to handle. I mean, we see this later. We know we he knows how to handle a straight couple. Use mm. protection. Be careful. Respect her. Those are the rules for him. Mm-hmm. He has to learn later on he's sexy when Blaine comes to him and says, you have to know this stuff and teach your kid about this stuff. That's when he really learns about gay sex. What He probably doesn't know anything about it at this point. No. Also, I mean, you get, um, he, he says at, during Blaine on the alcohol, that part of it is that he doesn't know how he's supposed to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he does very specifically say that that's part of why his reaction is the way it is because he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And Kurt oh, then after the back mountain. <laughs> yep, something went down in the tent. Oh, oh, Bert. Uh, I I I also like the end of the scene when Bert goes up and and. and and Kurt's so happy with himself. He's like, okay, my dad caught me making out with a girl. <laughs> Check on this little, like, I don't know, checklist that he's got. Yeah. Uh, but all of that seems to, um, I don't know, this because the next thing we get, we just get a couple, like, background scenes, and then we get the scene in the hallway where, you know, after all of this, stuff, Bert is still gonna go hang out with, with, um, with Finn, and then we get Rose's turn. Oh, but, but, forgetting, oh. we, forgetting, we, we just should mention the amazing scene of Kurt and Brittany walking down the halls hand in hand. Oh, right, yes. His hand was so soft. <laughs> he is clearly not a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> clearly um, not. And, uh, deep confusion. <laughs> And and clearly, no matter how much flannel he dresses up in, he he's still gonna you know <laughs> do his skin regime. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, how gross is it that it's duck fat? Like, is that gross? Am I weird? Or no, is that it's gross? it's it's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where does he even get it? Well, I guess I mean if you live in the backwoods of Ohio, it wouldn't be that hard, I guess. But I don't know. You can order it online. His own ducks. <laughs> Uh, I also love everybody's reaction again when, when Kurt and Brittany are walking down the hall hand in hand. Artie's face is just like, what is happening? Which is really funny now that I think that Brittany dates Artie later on, too. But Yes. Um, and you get um, when Bert shows up and tells him that he's going to go hang out with Finn again, and he says, you know, can you give us a minute, boo? <laughs> and then she's like, he, she doesn't get it, and he's like, just go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I I know that in in it probably was just a thing that Kurt stops like texting her and she finds somebody else. But I, it'd still be interesting to have a little fic about when he's like, okay, we are we are done with this little experimentation. I think he probably like comes in in his 
Cheerios uniform again, and she's like, oh, okay, you're capital G gay again. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting as well because, you know, Bert isn't doing these things with Finn because he doesn't want to do them with Kirk. He's doing them with Finn because he wants to support Finn, mm-hmm. and he enjoys spending time with him, and he wants to be there for him, and I think that's what Kurt isn't really getting. He thinks mm-hmm. if he'll become what his dad wants, he won't need to spend any time with Finn anymore. Right. Right. And actually, is that the case? <laughs> and it actually, the fact that they're spending, Kurt uh, and Finn are spending time alone together is an important part of that because he's trying to be someone Finn can confide in. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's an important aspect of that to... Um, I wonder how much... Gives us curtain. I wonder how much Kirk and Carol are bonding together. Yeah, because they, they bond somewhat. He's a complete makeover. Right in in home. Yeah. Yep, in home he he completely makes her over and and uh, it because um <laughs> they said it uh, Kurt and not Kurt Bert and Carol had been dating a month before Finn figured it out. And um, during that time, I mean, he's giving her makeovers and helping her pick out new furniture. So it's interesting that, you know, he he does have that aspect. He is getting a, a really awesome female figure parent going into it. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Everyone has these double standards. <clears throat> Everyone has these double standards that they don't think about. Mm-hmm. Especially at that age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's yep. still 16. I mean, he's still a kid. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I bet it, it also, like, j- how do I put this? He's still probably not necessarily thinking of Carol as a, a mother figure, but, oh, this awesome lady that I get to help out and do things with and where I do. Well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm not sure he necessarily thinks of her as a complete person rather thinks of her as a project for him. <laughs> well, yeah, especially at home, probably not. But I don't know. I, I, that's just, you know, that's just how people, you know, think and teenagers can often think. It's not, I'm not saying anything bad about him, but I, I don't think he really thinks of her as Finn's mom when he's doing that stuff mm-hmm. in that way. I don't know. Do we, we don't really get much Carol Kurt stuff. Later on, yeah. do we? No, it's very backgroundy. Yeah. Uh, so after all of this stuff kind of blows up, I mean, I think this is Rose's turn is when Kurt realizes, you know what? I did all this stuff. I tried to be somebody else, and oh, it didn't work. Like so. Yep. You can do that. I mean, you can go line by line. Sorry for my off-key singing. No, 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 that's okay. You want to? I sound like <laughs> Rachel, and in, in when she loses her voice, so I won't sing at all. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick right now. I'm usually a lot better of a singer. Just to say that. <laughs> but I, this is. Um, oh, go ahead. It's a really interesting song choice. Um, particularly if you look at it in the context of Gypsy. Yeah, I don't know anything about Gypsy, so go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, so I saw Gypsy uh, November-ish last year um, in London. It was amazing production. Um, At the same theater that I'm going to see Amber Riley as many times as I can. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, okay. 
in Gypsy, this is sort of, it, it's a very big number sung by Mama Rose, um, and it's an important moment in the show, but it's it's also pretty unreasonable in, in how she's singing that. It's about the fact that she had a dream for her daughter, and her daughter isn't doing exactly what she wanted. And, it, you know, I, I, I did everything for you to get this dream, but it wasn't, her, you know, it wasn't about her daughter. It was about what she wants. Um, and it's about her not getting her way because her daughter is doing her own thing and being independent of her. So it's an interesting song because, you know, Kurt's hurt feelings are as much about him as they are about Bert and what he's doing. And then, I also think it's really an interesting song for the show because they have to change all the lyrics. I love that they do. Yeah, I love, I that, love they that they do that. too. And there's nothing like him saying everything's coming up first. There's nothing like that line in this show. Like that moment, it just blows me away every time. When he jumps up and he's got his arms up and he's singing his own name and the lights go up. Man, that was powerful. So powerful, and actually, I, I really like. Um, and if it wasn't for me, where would you be, Miss Rachel Berry? That mm-hmm. that reminds me of when you get later when you talked about when he finally tells Rachel that he threw the duet competition, yep. the the diva yeah. off in wheels, and she goes, "But that gave me everything. That gave me <laughs> confidence to become here." And then Take I it went, back. Oh, I can't it through time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That whole argument is the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, this um, whole song is just, I, I love that the lyrics fit the situation so well. And yeah, that moment where the lights go up and, and, and he, he's dressed not in the, the other clothes, but in his clothes and Kurt clothes. And, and I feel like it's a culmination of just, you know, okay, after this whole season one stuff, he's like, I'm me. This is me. You know, I just, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing moment. It is, and I love it. It is one of my favorite numbers he ever does. Um, and the way his anger pushes him through, and the way that he, as far as he's aware, is the only one who can see, you know, he's doing it privately. He's still not being that out in front of everyone right but But i think oh go ahead oh to do it privately yeah i think that's a first step i think that like uh, i mean if you can it's hmm, how do i put this Uh, like kurt is being truthful to himself and i think a way that he may not have been as you know he's he's working towards it i mean he the whole season up to this point is him kind of trying to figure out who he is and 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 but, I mean, even privately, if he can get to that point, that's a big step forward. Yeah. And, um... Oh, shoot. I had another point I was going to make before we went on. Ah, if I remember it all. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, you know what I found interesting? The choreography for this scene is actually a little bit similar to Not the Boy Next Door. Um, and I don't know I, if that's... echo each other, and I think that in Not the Boy Next Door, he's doing that sort of performance to an audience, and to such an important audience is a big part of the journey between here and there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, how did his dad know to be there? That's my next question. That is... How did he know to find Kurt in the auditorium? Well, I imagine if he was looking for him, there aren't many places to look. That's true. Um, and... I think he understands that the the what it does for Kurt to be able to perform. It's true. I always wonder. So I think it makes sense that he gets to be there. Yeah, I always wondered that myself because he'd start singing the song and then goes through a costume change and, and ends up in the auditorium. And did Bert just like head out and it's like, no, wait a minute, maybe I should, you know, go find Kurt or. Did he have those clothes in his locker just in case he decided to drop the... The shtick. Like, <laughs> he probably had another outfit in his locker because of slushies, honestly. Oh, um, that's a good point. And, um, but, you know, Bert has to go and talk to Finn. And I think he probably immediately goes to talk to oh, Finn to tell right. him he's not going to come. But he obviously, he tells Finn what, you know, what's actually going on. So it wasn't just a very, it probably didn't take long, but it wasn't necessarily super brief. Mm-hmm. There's enough time for Kurt to sort of run away. He, also, I don't feel like the time matters. It's magical realism. No, I know. I think it's reality-wise. It's kind of one of those fun things where, you know, this is a, like, as an audience member, I know it's a television show, and I know they had to cut from A to B and whatever, but it's just kind of fun to think about, too. Just oh, yeah. I like something in the last. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I do wonder what his conversation with Finn was like because, of it, and you know, he says Finn understood. Well, and I, mean, I don't know. I think I just feel like he had this idea because Finn so desperately wants a father figure, but that he instantly goes, "Of course, you you go to your mm-hmm. son." Yep, I was going to say in home, he Finn understands a little bit because he's going through all of the stuff about you know his mom moving on and, and him not being ready to do that. But when, um, in home, when Kurt says, let's break up our parents, Finn is very like, yep, let's do that. And I, I think that's, you know, if Bert comes to him and says, Hey, I have to spend time with my own kid. Finn's like, yep, get that. Totally get that. So I, I can see him understanding of that. Um, one thing going on in the auditorium scene, I, I really, really love Bert in that he says, um, you know, I, I don't understand that song. I, I don't know what you were singing about, but I understand the tone of it. And I, I may be yeah. dumb, but I'm not Fine, stupid. Like song. Yep. Yeah. That's such a classic Bert line. And it's, you know, he doesn't understand Kurt, but he, you know, can recognize his feelings and he wants to support him. And I like, um, there's so much emotional honesty here in this scene, especially from Bert's end. Kurt, you know, he always had this thing where he kind of just, he doesn't really want to confront these bigger issues a lot of the times. He just wants to, like, you know, run away or not discuss it or I'm going to, you know, make it your fault, not mine. And he kind of shuts down. In his way, rather than discussing it. Hmm. And, and, and Bert is... Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I I think it's really interesting that Bert is very honest. And also, I think, almost too honest, I think Bert realizes partway through the scene that he has been putting all this pressure on Kirk because he keeps telling Kirk, I'm, you know, going to need to work on this, I'm not ready, which is true. 
But then he realizes that he's gotten hurt to a point of feeling like he has to change himself. And he goes, you know, no, my job is to love you. And actually, I'm the one who needs to change here, not you. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important moment for Kurt and Bert. Oh, yeah. I think for both. I think yeah. that Bert really realizes what he's been doing in his attitude being the way it was and that's when he really tries to change it from just telling Kirk that you know I love you but I don't really get it to really sort of trying to get it Mm. (laughs) (coughs) sorry but yeah and I, I think like this being kind of in in one way one of the climaxes of the Bert Kurt storyline. I mean, the, obviously, in theatricality is kind of where the test of Bert actually accepting things. But um, I I just I, oh go ahead. It's a good setup for theatricality in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love what they do in this season. It's just that there's these little steps and little progressions and. To, the, to get to this point, and I think, I mean, I know a lot of, we, we always talk about the questionability of, of Glee's writing, but I think definitely in season one, they had a clear arc, and they had logical steps to it, and I think it's incredibly well done. Well, I'm, I'm well known for the fact that I think um, Glee's writing is, on the whole, very different, pretty consistent, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they did a really good job with this arc. Yeah. I agree. So. So, and yeah. I also think that Lee's writing is pretty good. I know that there are some funny parts, but overall, I think yeah. they're pretty solid. I don't think Lee has those more than any other show. It's just weirder to begin with. Right. Yeah, because of the whole magic. Right. Realism thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um... I mean, they have misstepped a few times, and I, I do think see where outside circumstances have caused issues, but I don't know. I don't think it is as awful as, as people often make it out to be, especially comparatively. If you look at any television show for a long period of time, you're going to have issues with X, Y, and Z. So, But, yep. Gorgeous, gorgeous episode, and... and just wonderful Kurt plotline here, and I'm so glad that they were able to do this. I think, you know, I was, um, gosh, I was reading something earlier because uh, this whole stuff came out uh, there, just today. There, there, I saw this stuff on my dash about, you know, um, you know, when did Chris Colfer come out officially or whatever, and and I was reading an older article on Advocate or whatnot, and just I had forgotten that this was this whole. Uh, plot line of, you know, Kurt coming out to his dad and his dad accepting him, how big it was back then. And now we kind of look back and I'm, oh yeah, it's very sweet and whatever, but I just forget that the there's a lot of other factors, outside factors coming in too. It was still a really huge deal. I mean, I read um, that article as well earlier and one of the things, you know, they meant, the men, there are so few gay couples that they're mentioning, there have been stories but not that many in mainstream shows at that point and glee was so so popular it's really hard to conceptualize i don't mm-hmm. think 
I honestly, I don't think many shows um, make the journey from top to bottom in the way Glee did. <laughs> um, while, you know, still going and uh, um, not getting cancelled before their aim, you know, right. really did a two-season deal expecting to end after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of the things that you... you <clears throat> you can really see in the back nine that they responded to what people reacted to in the first 13 episodes because those were all done in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and one of the things was that audience loves her and and they realized what Chris could do and they realized all this stuff and so he got these meteor bigger stories and his story got to be more prominent you know moving forward and that's really Amazing. I think that's one of the most amazing things about Glee is that, um, to a large extent, you know, you get this with Kurt and then Blaine and Brittany and Santana. The, they had gay characters or bi character and Brittany who became more prominent because the audience wanted them to. Right. And that's amazing. And I, I kind of, I mean, I'd like to think that, like this, the success of this story kind of opened the doors for you know getting, uh, you know not only just plain but also having a Pertana story and also having unique and and having all of these really awesome stories be told, and and that's one thing I think is is really awesome about Glee is that, you know it, it was able to do a lot of these storylines that really I mean weren't shown on television earlier or just in, you know, small little pieces or briefly mentioned or made a joke out of or something. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we vaguely mentioned it before, but actually um, one of the things about one of the other plots with Santana and Mercedes singing is their first duet, but it's also, I think it's the second song Santana ever sings after Like a Virgin. Mm -hmm. And so it's the first song that she has um, a really significant large role in. And that I just wanted to mention that because that's important to me. Oh, yeah. Well, and Brittany gets a bigger <laughs> thing, you know, yeah. time in this episode, too. I mean, I like that, yeah, especially in the back nine, I mean, they were. They were responding to what um, uh, fans wanted. And, and, like, with Brittany and Santana, you know, it's what started out as, oh, wow, these you know, jokingly slutty cheerleaders. It wasn't. It was, like, here are these real complex characters who get storylines and and whatnot. And when so. does that line happen? When when do you know what episode it is where they say, you know, oh, we're Sex not doesn't you make things I did. I would be sectionals. That was in yeah, sectionals. That was conversations. Mm-hmm. When was that? I didn't hear you. Oh, sorry. Sectionals. Um, episode thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's happened here. Yeah. yeah. It's happened already. Got yeah. It. Which is why I kind of am amused at um. Santana's um, reaction to Kurt singing Pink Houses because she's like, yeah, you're not fooling anybody, and I don't know. I just she does that a lot. <laughs> she does that a lot. It's even ramped up in season two, I think. Mm. Mm. A million awesome gay jokes just popped into my, my head. Yeah, million something popped into your head. Um, I think also, uh, um, just before we close out, I want to mention, I believe that this is the episode that Kurt's, Kurt, that Chris submitted for his Emmy, no- and, and, and what got him the Emmy nomination. And oh, I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Um, just 
because we didn't mention when we were talking about Rosie's turn, I believe that's one of the songs that he asked her to do at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think it yep, was. I think it was. And Which it, is just it's amazing. I, you know what's kind of set, maybe this is kind of crazy of me to think this. Um, he never really got to sing anything this angry after this, and I, I don't necessarily know what was off that. But he, there's such a level of anger going on underneath it that it, it which makes it so powerful. Um, I always wanted Kurt to sing a, a really angry song, and, but they never really let him do it again. I feel it's not as angry, but. Some people definitely had some of that. Oh, yeah. I guess I, I can see that. I think I have nothing, too, with a little bit angry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... I'm dying over here. <laughs> it's okay. Um, uh, anything else we want to touch on before we wrap it up? I'm good. Good. I'm good. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. It was really fun to talk about this one. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Because I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up. Still